Hi, you're listening to Coffee Talk. I am your host, Liv Alliston. Uh, Today is the finale episode of our series, Living with Open Hands. Um, So in the the first episode, we talked, Jessica and I talked about living with open hands regarding your finances and the money and resources that God has blessed you with. Um, The second and third episodes, Austin and I discussed living with open hands uh, regarding the safety of your children and loved ones. In the fourth episode, um, I talked about living with open hands regarding your time, your calendar. And then today in this episode, my husband and I, Drew, say hello. Hello. We are going to be discussing living with open hands regarding the dreams that God has given you. And so everything is based on the quote by Corey Tenboom: hold everything loosely in your hands. Otherwise it hurts when God pries your fingers open. It's a very convicting quote. To start off, let's just talk about what does it mean to live with open hands regarding your dreams. So when, when I think about living with open hands regarding your dreams, the first thing that, that I have to think about is living vulnerably. And I think so many of us, when we, when we dream, we tend to protect ourselves from lack of fulfillment, from feeling exposed, and from ultimately, I think, just being disappointed, whether it's by God or ourselves or our friends or our family. And so living vulnerably to me, is first of all, acknowledging your dreams. So we have to be honest about what our dreams really are. And the second part is hoping for the fulfillment of those dreams. And I think that's where the vulnerability comes in, is that it's one thing to have a dream. It's another thing to put it out there and to give it to the Lord, which comes to the third part, which is being at peace with God's sovereignty. And that means that God while he might give us these dreams, we may not see them fulfilled in our lifetimes and we may not see them fulfilled this side of heaven, but we have to be okay with that. And that's a difficult place to be. Yeah. Um, I would say some, like you've said, submitting your dreams to God and then letting them go, uh, not clinging to the dream itself, but clinging to the dream giver. Uh, so we're going to talk about some scriptures where God calls us to trust in him. Uh, so Genesis twenty two fourteen. This is the passage uh, of the name of God, Jehovah Jireh. There is a, I will link in the show notes, uh, the names of God Bible study. And there's also a blog called Let It Go that I will also link um, that I wrote about this, this whole uh, concept of letting go of your dreams and giving them to God. So Genesis twenty two fourteen. this is when after years of praying for a son, uh, Abraham and Sarah were given a son and then... God basically asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac to him. This is the passage where he takes him up to the mountain and he lays him on the altar. And right before he sacrifices his son to God, an angel of the Lord says, you know, to stop. He now knows that he loves God more than he loves the the, the dream, the fulfillment of the dream. God provided um, a sacrifice in that moment. And so that's where the name Jehovah Jireh comes from. And so um, Isaac represented this dream of a child to him. God was basically just saying, you know, what is more important, the dream that I've given you and fulfilled, or am I more important than that? Yeah, and that's amazing. I think Abraham is probably one of my more favorite characters these days because of my own personal journey. But but what's, what's incredible about this is that I think there's probably a lot of people out there who, who wish for children or increase in their family and different things like this. But Abraham was 80 when God gave him this promise. 
And that's beyond any medical miracle that we can do even today with modern science. But not only that, it was 20 years after the promise that God actually fulfilled the promise. And so there were probably many, many, many days and mornings and evenings that both Abraham and Sarah were saying, I just don't think so. Or Sarah saying, Abraham, I think you're probably a little bit sunstroked and you you didn't hear the Lord. That was just some crazy uh, thought that you had. So one thing that we tend to do as people is, is try to help God which is hilarious when you think about it or speak it out loud, which is why no one does uh, for themselves anyway. But Sarah had an idea, which was not a great one, but humanly speaking, it kind of sort of made sense, which is, okay, wait, God promised children. So humanly speaking, how is this even possible? Oh, I know. I have a handmaiden that can sleep with you. So here, take Hagar and we'll fix this ourselves. And that's how God meant to, to provide for us children and heritage and you know descendants as numerous as the stars. Well, we all know how that, how that went and it didn't end well. Um, it created enmity amongst the families. And then now, you know, millennia of generations later, we actually have countries that are, that are frustrated with one another. And so it's just an example of when we try to um, make the impossible possible and do something to help God, we're not helping God. It's just unbelief. And we're trying to control because we fear that there won't be a good outcome and that our dreams will not be fulfilled. But God, being a loving God, decided to continue to be God and continue to fulfill his promises, even though Abraham and Sarah tried to take it into their own hands. And so for them to walk in faith and continue to lift up the hope that that is not only what God promised, but that it was a hope that was inside of their heart and something that they had dreamed of their entire lives. That's a that's an incredibly dangerous way to live, I think, from, from how most of us protect our hearts. But yet God did fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham. And when he did, it was such an impossible fulfillment that not only were Abraham and Sarah's hearts blessed by it, but God was glorified through it. The next scripture I want to talk about, I actually want you to talk about because it's your favorite uh, scripture. And I want you to talk about what God revealed to you uh, kind of recently with that. Yeah, so Jeremiah 29, 11 is my life verse. And it is a verse that is often on coffee cups and bumper stickers and quoted all the time by people. Sometimes it's out of context. So just to give you a little bit of context, Israel was in captivity because of their disobedience. And it is poignant to me because we have two toddlers now. And so when I think of disobedience, it's, you know, we disobey all the time. God is not afraid to discipline us occasionally. So they were in exile, living under foreign rule, and at that time, God tells them, first of all, to put down roots where they are for now, because you're going to be there a while, but don't give up hope for future restoration, because I will restore you. And that's really what he's talking about. But in this season of captivity, he says to his people, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And then it goes on to say that that when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. And I just that that's an awesome promise because he's not just promising goodness and future and hope to us. He's promising his presence with us wherever we are, whether it's in captivity or in the promised land. 
And most recently, I was doing a study on the Holy Spirit, and one of the questions was to ask the Lord if if there was a, a verse or a passage of Scripture that you didn't quite understand, and I didn't think I had anything. Well, this verse popped into my mind, which I thought was very strange because I didn't think it was that difficult to understand. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that what I was doing was using this verse as a point of leverage for the Lord, thinking, okay, I if I can just figure out what my future is and what my hope is, then I can control it. And that's not his heart. And it's not what the verse proclaims or promises. What And that's what the Holy Spirit revealed to me through that prayer time is that, no, 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 Drew, I know the plans that I have for you and they are good and they are for you and and not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. But what he told me is, is I don't necessarily have to reveal to you what those plans are. I just need you to trust me and know that I'm, I'm for you and not against you. And that's a hard place to be. And it's the kind of similar, I guess, to what we've already been talking about, that God gives us dreams and he asks us to acknowledge them, to give them to him. But he doesn't always give us the answers. Uh, and that's that's a difficult reality to in which we have to live. But I think it's a, it's a good tension. So the big question here is how do we discern the dreams that we have for ourselves versus the dreams that God has for us? I think sometimes in my own life too, where I think, oh, I have a dream that must be of the Lord. That is not always the case. I had a lot of dreams when I was younger and more immature in my faith that I thought were of the Lord, but they were very much dreams of of gratifying the self, um, promotion of the self, making me look good, all about me, me, me. So I think that's one way that you can discern the, the dream, if it's of you or if it's of the Lord, is what is the motivation behind it? Is it is it to gratify the self and make the self look good and feel good? Or is it to bring glory to the Lord? So that that's one marker. Another is that as I have gotten closer to the Lord and more mature in my walk with him, as I press into him, a lot of the dreams that I had that were self-seeking and self-gratifying uh, have fallen away. Know that as, as you grow closer to the Lord, the dreams that are, are not of him, that are not from him, they will fall away to the wayside. And the dreams that he has for you will be rooted more firmly inside of you. Another thing to note is that the dreams that he's given to us, um, they are his that he has given to us and they are his to fulfill. They are not ours to take into our hands to try to fulfill. So that's, that's actually an interesting point because just like the gospel message that Jesus brought us, which was, it's not anything that we can do to make ourselves right before the Lord. It's only Christ and his death and resurrection on the cross for us. And our even our receiving of that is through the Lord. And so it's very similar to how God handles our dreams. He planted the dreams there. He draws them out at the right time. And then he fulfills them. So even even this, it's just it's just very much in the pattern of how God treats us. That he he's the the beginning, the middle, and the end. He handles it all, but he invites us into community to walk it out because he loves to experience it with us, and he likes to be glorified through the process. So one thing that our um, our church we have a saying on how to discern the voice of the Spirit. 
um, and discern what God is saying to you is the spirit inside of us, the saints around us, and the scripture before us. Uh, meaning the spirit of God dwells inside of us as Christian believers, and that will always testify to the truth because it is the truth. Um, the saints around us, that's our community. Uh, when I say community, I've said before, we're not talking about just anybody. Uh, we're talking about Christ-centered, Bible-believing uh, community. That you do life with every day. Yes. Because they, it's the people that can look at you and know your history, know your walk with the Lord and go, eh, I'm calling crap on that. Yeah. And so uh, you want those people that are going to keep you accountable before the Lord. And then the scripture before us, that's literally just the Bible, spending time in his word and spending time with him um, through prayer, um, through your you know quiet time or whatever you do, whatever you call it. And all three of those things, when they all align that is a marker of, yes, this is the way that God wants you to go. One of the ways that we can tell whether or not our dreams are God's dreams is that God's dreams draw us closer to him. It's a community aspect. Not only does it glorify him, but it draws us closer in relationship with him because that's what he wants. He wants our hearts and he wants closeness with him. And our dreams without God, conversely, take us farther from him. And so that's just a good kind of a marking point. So I'd like for you to talk a little bit about your journey with dreaming. Um, The reason I asked Drew to do this podcast with me, this episode, is that he he has uh, a testimony, I guess, to to tell uh, with dreams. When we first met and were dating, I was a a dreamer. I still am. Um, He's more of a realist or an escapist or in a dream squasher um or an escapist you would pulverize my <laughs> dreams that's what he would do um and so when i would be dreaming he would be sitting there logically calculating how much everything was going to cost when i'm sitting there thinking no i just want to just no object money is no object just you know what are your dreams and and so he really didn't have anything um he really struggled with that and it was I think frustrating to him and it was extremely frustrating to me. And so if you could just kind of tell us your story with that. So I have been more, like I said, an escapist rather than, than a dreamer. And what I mean by escapist is that I felt too afraid to actually dream uh, with God. And so what I would tend to do is, is escape into movies or stories, books, friends, travel, just anything really, living more in the present than, than thinking about uh, proactively about what it, what it was that God had planted in my heart. And I don't think I started out that way, but just as life happens and we, we acquire wounds and baggage and hurts, we tend to alter our plans and expectations so we don't get hurt again. And, and one of the ways that, that I was trying to protect myself was to push those dreams that God had placed in my heart down. So growing up, I, I led worship for our high school youth group and college, uh, college group, as well as sometimes corporately for the church. And I, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I led Bible studies and life groups. And I really enjoyed the communal aspect, the music, the entering into God's presence. And as I operated in those giftings, I felt very, very close to the Lord and, and fulfilled and in, at incredible peace and more joy than I'd ever experienced before. 
However, in those roles at that time, I was also hurt by people in ways that I didn't think possible, uh, whether it was betrayal by people that, that I thought cared about me or people that were manipulating God's word and, and gifts rather than using them to bless and to heal and to glorify him. And so as a result, I, I stepped away from it and I pushed it way down and just thought, well, that was then and this is now. And that was something that I enjoyed and it was a dream and now no longer. And that's okay. I was okay with that. And I told myself every day, I'm okay with that. Well, God was not okay with that, but he didn't tell me <laughs> for a little bit of time. And so uh, when we when we came to Lighthouse, there was a lot of need, but I didn't necessarily respond to it. Uh, over time, probably about a year of being at Lighthouse, I was approached uh, by one of the leaders of the men's group who asked me to co-lead with him. And probably one of the only reasons I said yes is because he asked me to co-lead rather than just lead. But I didn't, even then, I thought at the time, well, I don't know enough scripture. I don't feel comfortable. I don't have anything to say. Uh, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I look like an idiot? You know, the enemy will, I heard someone say this recently, the enemy will always provide a logical explanation that that kind of counters the, the faith that it would take to operate in your dream. And so, anyway, that was one aspect was getting to lead again and, and to participate in in that way in the church. And then the other was leading worship and participating on the worship team. And Olivia mentioned one day, hey, they're, they're looking for people to help, specifically uh, acoustic guitar and vocals. And I thought, well, hey, I got that. I can do that. But I went into the audition with a false humility. <laughs> there's humility that's good. And then there's false humility that protects you. And so my false humility in, in a way to try to protect myself was even if all I do is is uh, sweep the floors or vacuum around y'all while you play music to the Lord. I'm okay with that. But that was me trying to protect myself and it sounds ridiculous as I speak it. But but anyway, there was a need and they they saw that that I would be a good addition to their team and I've been doing it ever since and I love it. It's it's a blast. It's a lot of work, but I again when you operate in the giftings that God has given you and you dream with him, he continually stretches you. But even when you feel stretched, you feel at peace and you feel joy. But the peace surpasses all understanding. So you may not always understand it, why you're in this season or why you're in between seasons or why it's difficult or why you feel afraid. But you will always feel the Lord quickening your spirit and leading you closer to him. So that was a big one with with church between, you know, assisting with, you know, uh, kind of leading Bible studies and life groups and, and worship. The other, though, was probably equally difficult, which was uh, married with kids. So that was a dream of mine. And Olivia is here to attest that this dream has come true, or at least we're, we're living the dream. It doesn't always feel like a dream. <laughs> we're living the dream by the hair of our chinny chin chins. <laughs> but, um, but at the time that we were dating, I think Olivia can attest to the fact that I was a slow mover. And that is a massive understatement. You're being kind to yourself. I'm always kind. You to, are to kind others, to yourself, yes. <laughs> including myself. But I was a slow mover and I didn't even know what my heart wanted. And so Olivia was ready to, to date, get married and have kids before I was even ready to go to dinner together. So it took a long time. But I guess my point to this story is what I had to do was surrender 
that dream to the Lord. And when I did, God opened my eyes through his spirit that Olivia was was the one for me and that I was the one for her. And through that process of doing relationship together and seeking the Lord together, he's continually stretching us. And it doesn't always look pretty, but but I know that God's in our midst and that he is leading us together and that we're living the dream. We are. Now we dream together instead of next to each other. So that's really nice. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so uh, just uh, wrapping it up, um, application, we've already talked about it, but just a um, nice summary here. How do you practically live with open hands in this area is to, to submit your dreams to God, to continually press into him. And to seek him instead of the dreams that he has for you, to seek the dream giver. If the dreams that you have in your heart are still around then and, and they continue to grow, then that is a marker that they're, they're of the Lord. And he will fulfill those. Um, they may not look exactly how you think it's going to look, but just know that it's for your good and it is for his glory. But before we finish... I want to hear a dream that has been on your heart over the years and how God has worked that in you since you apparently are the superior dreamer. So I have a lot of dreams. Um, The one that I would say, do you want to talk about one that's fulfilled or one that's unfulfilled? In the midst. Um... So the, the dream that I've, that I've had the, and I'm, I might have specifically written about this in that blog. I don't know if I specifically mentioned what it was, uh, but the dream I've had since I was a kid is to build a house and it seems very superficial, but I love architecture and I love design. You can attest to that. We have more magazines on design and computer programs and movies and TV shows than one person could ever witness in all of the world. And our very first massive married couple fight was over pillows from Pier 1 that were apparently over our budget. Because we were living on a barista's budget. (laughs) But anyway, um, so I love architecture and design, and you can ask anybody that knows me. I've always wanted to design and build my own home. I have designed, like, I don't know, close to 30 homes on my, since we've been married, and like, triple that (laughs) from before we met. Um, And I just, I, I enjoy doing it. And that was a dream that I'd always had. And I remember I was driving home to our ghetto apartment that we had when we were first married. And um, I was a barista. And She's actually not joking. Not joking. It was in a not good area and it had bed bugs. Yeah, that, that was. I was driving home and I was, I, I don't know if I was praying about this particular dream or if God brought it up. But somehow my mind started thinking of building a house and I heard God say to let it go, to give it to him. And I was like, I I just started crying. And I said, no, I don't don't want to give it to you because you might not give it back. And that is that is a risk. You know, he's going to give you back the plans that he has for you right? Jeremiah 29, 11, but it may not be the plans that we have for ourselves. But the good news is that as we grow closer in our relationship with him, and as we press into him, our dreams begin to co-align. And so I, I, I did give it over to the Lord. I still have yet to build a house. Um, it's still a dream of mine. Um, but I know that that dream has not gone away and I have given it over and I've, I've come to the point of, 
if I don't ever get that, then that's okay. I at least have fun doing it on my computer program or have fun watching HGTV or maybe that's something that I get to do in heaven, you know, on, uh, on that side of eternity. And if I do get to design and build my own home, then. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! <laughs> um, and so uh, that's kind of where I am with that unfulfilled dream is I'm still hoping And if it happens, then awesome. And if it doesn't, then I know that God has something better. And that is an awesome heart posture. And also, I think, like I said earlier, I think that is living vulnerably because you don't know what God's going to do with that dream, but you're choosing to love him more than the dream itself. And that's that's awesome. So tell me one that actually has been fulfilled. (laughs) Um, Has been fulfilled. Uh, well, marrying you was probably like kind of a big win. That's right. (laughs) For some reason, I always wanted to marry a Texan. I don't know where I even got that. I didn't know Texans. Because Texas is awesome. Yeah, yeah, all cowboys. So I married a cowboy. But uh, no, I definitely wanted to get married. I did bury that dream for a long time. Um, I had grand visions of becoming an Oscar winning actress and thought a man's just going to slow me down. So I did bury that for a while. And then I met Drew. I was a month away from leaving uh, for Los Angeles to begin my professional acting career. And uh, he decided to, after two years, finally return (laughs) my date's invitation. (laughs) And so within I don't know. I I think it was even like a split second decision. Like, I don't even think I really thought about it. It was as soon as he reached out um, and asked me out on a date, I immediately called the people I was going to live with in LA and said, so (laughs) I found a guy and uh, I'm not coming. (laughs) So that was that. And we were married, what, two years later, I guess, ish. And you don't regret it at all. Not at the moment. No, no, I don't. (laughs) We have our moments, that's for sure. But I do not regret it. It was definitely one of the best decisions I've ever made. So that is going to conclude our series, Living with Open Hands. Drew will be back in a couple of months um, on a podcast, a couple of podcasts with me dealing on marriage. So that's going to be a hoot and a holler, as we say where I'm from. That's Kentucky, in case you didn't know. So thank you so much for listening. You have been prayed for. 